Aloha adventurer Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, your friendly neighborhood me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I uh, wanted to pop in for a second. If you like the podcast, if you enjoy the conversations we have, the range of people we talk to, you know, we've had comedians on, we've had fighters on, we've had trainers on, we've had surfers on, we have had people inside and outside the adaptive community. And uh, if you dig on any of that, I would strongly encourage you to go to your favorite podcatcher, wherever you listen to us, you know, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple Podcasts, you know, anywhere. I, I Honestly, one of the greatest things you can do for us is to give us a rating, uh, preferably a five-star rating that'll, that'll bump us up. And if, um, you know, if you really dig what we're doing, go ahead and leave us a review. Because, you know, if people see, oh, man, this, this podcast's got some reviews, man, and they hear about uh, a really cool guest that people enjoyed, you know, that'll uh, that'll bump up the numbers and kind of drive us up the charts and more people will listen and Spotify will say, what's up? We'll give you $100 million and then Joe Rogan and I go on tour and I make millions of dollars. And um, anyway, oh, sorry, I, I was thinking about something, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, seriously though, uh, it would really help out the podcast and the movement if you would give us um, give us a rating and a review in uh, in iTunes, any anywhere. Well, not iTunes, uh, in Apple Podcasts, wherever uh, you can tell how long I've been using uh, Apple products. Anyway, all that to say, please rate and review, and uh, that would really help. Uh, it's cost you nothing but time. I know that's a precious commodity, and I appreciate it. And I do appreciate you giving us the time that it takes you to listen to the sounds of mine and my guests' voices. And to that end, uh, I actually really wanted to say on this podcast, uh, we did have some technical errors, uh, technical difficulties on this particular podcast. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of start and stop. Uh, maybe the audio is not as sonically uh, stimulating as perhaps you're used to, but I think the conversation is worth it. And, uh, you know, your, your ears will be okay. I think you'll live, but, um, yeah, just, we had to do this one over zoom and, uh, it, it kind of hiccuped and broke on us a little bit, but I still think, uh, it is absolutely worth your listen. Otherwise we wouldn't be putting it out. So, um, please enjoy this conversation. Uh, a really fantastic woman, um, a, uh, fitness trainer, a uh, jiu-jitsu uh, jiu-jitsuist um, all around really cool person uh, she's able to read in the dark like me and uh, uh, you know I think she's got some stuff to say I think you'll enjoy it and uh, the next thing you hear will be my conversation with the wonderful the deadly the sharp-witted Rana Randenberg Aloha, adventurer. I am Joshua Loya, aka Joshua the Jiring Superior. I have with me a really cool woman that I happened to meet on Clubhouse and through mutual contacts, fitness trainer, uh, fellow Jiu Jitsu practitioner, uh, Miranda Berg. How are you? I'm good. Miranda Vradenberg, yes. Okay, well, let me let's let's get this right because voiceover <laughs> messes. Th- so, peel it back the curtain. The two of us are both blind. 
And sometimes, you know, our, our screen reading software makes, uh, might give us an incorrect perception as to how to pronounce names, which is really funny because the two of us have spoken several times over the last like couple months. What is the best way to say your name? Marana. Marana. Oh, God. Marana. That's wow. I'm t- okay. That's okay. I don't take offense. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you know we record this sh- the show as if live. Because you know we leave some of those uh, those little warts in there, on, uh, even still after the fact. But behind how, how the scenes, you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Um, so we, we've gotten a chance to talk a little bit about our uh, approach to jujitsu and and um, what we can get into a whole bunch of other things. But what specifically about jujitsu? Since that's our initial point of contact, why jujitsu? Why not um, something else for you? at least as of right now, anyway. As of right now, I just feel like, especially as a a female and also being blind, the positions that we find ourselves in oftentimes with jujitsu are very, um, you know, would be very good in a self-defense situation where I'm being attacked or something like that. So, and also, um, you know, learning to keep people close and that close contact with somebody and and, um, pulling them in and and be able to work in that way is... um, I think beneficial for us as blind people versus, you know, wasting energy on strikes or something like that, being able to pull them in, get them down and, and finish them out. <laughs> it's probably the best plan if you're trying to protect yourself. So, so are you an arm lock uh, woman or do you like to choke people? I do like the chokes. <laughs> it's also really it's so satisfying fun. about putting somebody to sleep, right? There is. I I just think it's so fun too to be able to improvise. You know, whether you're doing gi or no gi, the the lapel chokes that you learn, and and you know, like the triangle chokes and learning those from various positions and stuff. And whenever you finally get to the point where you can start learning, oh wait, I can do this from this position too, Mm -hmm. and really start those pieces coming together and stuff. Like, oh, so it's great. I I love to kind of be able to pull back and start seeing the big picture. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it it is funny too. Like. Um, so coming from, you know, initially a much more traditional, at least in terms of approach to, uh, to my martial arts training and, you know, some of it's still very practical just within a traditional context. Um, I'll, I'll kind of pull something over from that background into jujitsu a little bit when we're rolling and people are like, dude, what technique is that? That's that, you know, and really all it is, is just an inverted version of some choke or this or that. And it's not, and I think that's the thing that's, that's really cool that I, that I enjoy a lot about jujitsu and a couple of other arts, but um, is the ability to kind of customize, right. you have some people that are really flexible, some people that aren't, you know, I've, I've rolled with people who they're so flexible before I realize it, I go, Oh, is that their hand or their foot? And before I know it, I'm being, tra- you know, by the time I realized yeah. what limit was that grabbed me, all of a sudden I'm like tapping because I can barely breathe. You know, yeah. But, and then you have people who aren't really all that flexible and yet they still mess you up all the time. So, yeah, it's fun as a blind person too. I know with some of the, you know, things that we drill and stuff, sometimes you can kind of lose your partner and I end up playing Marco Polo half the time or you're feeling him <laughs> like, okay, what is this here? Is this your butt? Is this your, like, where exactly am I? <laughs> You learn quickly not to be uh, too embarrassed about personal space if you're a blind person doing no, uh, grappling. No, you cannot. You you cannot. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, it makes for a lot of laughs, especially whenever 
you know, you don't take yourself too seriously. And I, that's the thing that I love about jujitsu too, is the entire community is just so laid back and accepting. And they're kind of just, you don't have those real like barriers most times between, um, you know, where you like race and, and political and stuff. Like those mm-hmm. things all kind of fall away and we're just all united for one purpose and having that team and that support and, and stuff is, is really great. And I know, um, you know, even like with clubhouse getting to talk to in some of the jujitsu rooms and their own mm-hmm. stuff, just people, it's my favorite room. Whenever all the other rooms are stressing me out, like I'm going back to jujitsu because those people in there are Cause, great. Cause you, you know? can talk so- about stuff like you can skip past all of that. You know, you don't even have, and that's what thing, there's a guy like I'm, I, I think you and I agree probably in a lot of respects, we agree on a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, but like, there's a, there are two friends of mine that I, that train together. Um, I'm probably closer to one or the other. One is about as, as far left as you can get, can't stand Trump, talks crap about religious stuff all the time, you know, just whatever. Uh, but he will immediately trust and give credence to what you say if you're either a surfer or a jiu-jitsu person. And then the <laughs> other person is um, very conservative, very like even like uh, to a some to a large degree Trump supporting uh, sort of guy. Uh, very conservative J- Jewish fellow. He you know he's he's um, not not shy uh, in you know his criticism of of left leaning uh, politicians and, and viewpoints. And gets kind of aggressive in his, you know, when the two, you know, when either of them are posting anything on social media, but you get the two of them together and they train and none of that stuff exists. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. And even people that I would otherwise get into disagreement, I try to find ways of connecting with people, even if, you know, if I'm more left or more right or whatever, I try to find, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people, but you know, it's, it's cool when you have that thing that you can connect with somebody on where it doesn't matter whether you voted for Trump or Biden or whoever it did, like none of that matters at all. Uh, we're just here to train and get better. And that, that's, that's, yeah. that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. I try to be one of those people that kind of knows a lot about or a little about a lot of different stuff that way, no matter where the conversation goes, you always have something to contribute and that ability to try to find a connecting point with somebody. So that it doesn't have to be about politics or race or religion or those things that can mm-hmm. be really divisive. You know, it's about, okay, let's find where we connect and then go from there. Um, it's hard to build a relationship or, you know, rapport with somebody finding all the things that you disagree on. It's better to start with things that you do agree on. So, well, and that's, it's, it's really cool, like analogy to, to combat, right? Like, especially for us, um, anybody whose strength is grappling, right. That connection is necessary. You find the connection if there's, you know, there's, there's the, obviously we're not trying to strangle our, our, our fellow American or human being, depending on the context of the conversation. But if we want to actually engage and grow from the exchange, we have to have some point of connection. If we're just fighting and staying in, like not communicating, we're just talking over each other and insulting each other, nothing's happening. But if we're able to find a, a moment to listen to each other and have a dialogue, might not agree on much, but if we can find, you know, like, oh man, I like baseball chokes. Oh, I like baseball chokes too. You know, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Forget about baseball. I like baseball chokes. Um, So, and that's one of the cool aspects about being blind as well, though, is that most people have never trained with a blind person. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be, 
Yeah, that's going to be a natural point of curiosity where it opens up the door both to educate people and for them to be able to ask questions and then start to feel more comfortable with you. And and I mean, I've I've had several training partners over the years that um you know we get to work together and and it it just becomes like you you have that dialogue and you start letting them get to know you in kind of a personal way you know you're not really willing to share nobody on the street is going to come up to you and start asking you blind about blindness unless they're really kind of a weird person but i um, you know when you're rolling attract the weirdos though i really do <laughs> like i know I have before too. Yeah. I, I've been at the gym before, you know, my, my sister-in-law was with me one time. We're at the gym and this guy comes up to me. He's like, do you want to feel my face? I'm like, not really. <laughs> I was in a spot where we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to what you're saying about jujitsu in a second, but I had my own experience with that where I was, I was in a tough spot where I, I really, it was real tight. Um, my wife and I, we didn't have really, we were overextended in our, our money. So we went to like a little food pantry thing and I'm standing in line you know, for the, the food boxes and, and stuff, this, this woman comes up to me and she goes, hi, I'm Denise. Remember me grabs my hand, just like manhandles her face with my hand. And <laughs> no, no asking if that's okay. Do I want to feel her face? <laughs> and I, I, I don't, didn't even have the heart to tell this woman. I didn't remember where I met her. I, I didn't have any, I had a vague sense that her voice was slightly familiar, but I didn't know if I met her on the bus, if I met her at, at church like 10 years ago, I, like I had no context for it. And she's like, yeah, I know. I'll just go up to a random stranger standing in line for, for food charity and, and have them grab my face. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, some people really have some boundary issues. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is about us as blind people, but some some do have those kind of boundary issues. So um, it can be interesting out there for sure. I love going to the restaurants and having people either speak loudly to you or... <laughs> you know, oh, I, I, it, is, it is not uh, an isolated single incident where I've had somebody try to use sign language. Oh my gosh. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I wish, I really wish I was. Uh, yeah. It didn't help that at one point I, I uh, this was years ago. This was before I met my wife. I, I, I dated a, a woman who was studying to be a sign language interpreter that really confused people because <laughs> she signs everything that, you know, like no matter whether she's talking to somebody with a hearing impairment or not. So like, well, there was one time I wasn't there and like somebody came up to her, you know, that's really great. What you guys have, you know, I, I'm, and that's, that's really cool that you signed for him. <laughs> like not not I, I i i'm not making this up these are real That's events hilarious. real words that came out of real people's mouths oh wow wow yeah some people just don't get it they, they really don't get it the the worst thing the thing that bothers me the most is that whenever people will speak to whoever's with me instead of speaking directly to me i'm sure you get that too you know going into a restaurant what would he like to my eat? family yeah, well, exactly. What, is, what does she want to eat? And it's like, um, my family knows, though, they stay silent. And they're like, I don't know, ask her, you know, so um, just kind of a very Derek uh, Lane, who, uh, who did editing on a podcast I used to, uh, to host or co host years ago. He said that uh, his response is to speak about himself in the third person he would like. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. But I mean, I, I try not to get to, I think our best bet is just to try to educate people, you know, for so. sure. And if people have a good attitude and they're trying to understand, I mean, that's, and that really comes back to the whole connection thing, right? Like if we, right. if we're just immediately 
unless somebody's antagonistic, I like I'll I'll play with somebody a little bit if I think they can play. If I think they're going to be really uptight and serious, then I'm not going to try my hand at comedy. I, but I do enjoy kind of getting people to 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 break just a little bit. If I can get somebody to chuckle, that I feel like I have a a better win, you know, a, a more of a chance of making a connection with somebody, and then they go, "Oh, okay, you're joking around." you know, you're, you're clearly not uptight about this. If I make, if I stumble, I'm not, you know, and I'm, I mean it well, I think that's, and I guess not everybody can do that. Not everybody is inclined towards that. Some people are just tired of explaining themselves. And I get my days that way too. You know, I don't have yeah, to be an ambassador yeah. every single day. Yeah. Sometimes it gets exhausting. Um, today I was going to get my hair done and, you know, I was, I, my, my friend, I used actually used to work in a salon with her 15 years ago before I lost my sight and she's done my hair ever since. Well, she just got a new job. And so she wasn't going to have any availability anytime soon. You know, she's just as available to do hair on the weekends. So I made an appointment at a, at a salon with another girl and going in there, I just kind of like, wasn't really in the mood to talk much. And I mm-hmm. definitely wasn't in the mood to go through my life story and, and stuff. And it just seems like that happens so many times Whenever you go in. I mean, I'm there for two hours. You have to have something to talk about. So naturally there's like, well, what happened to you, you know, and having to go through the whole thing. And sometimes you just don't feel like being on you just kind of, you want to be able to sit back and whatever, yeah. but then you, you also want to represent yourself and, and, you know, put forward a good foot for other blind people. So they know, okay, they're confident, they're, they're capable and, and stuff. So um, it's a tricky balance sometimes, you know. It is. Now you talked about your story. Do you mind if we kind of unpack that a little bit since, you know, we're, we're here? Um, yeah, for sure. So um, I lost my sight to type one diabetes. I was diagnosed whenever I was nine years old. Oh, dude, that's it, rough. Like that. Yeah, it's it was one rough. thing. Type two people always say like, "Oh, diabetes. What did you eat too much?" You know, it's, right. it's a little more complex than that, especially with the type one, right? Yeah. So type one is actually an autoimmune disease. Um, my pancreas, they say, I probably got some sort of a virus. My body was attacking it. My immune system just started ta- attacking the pancreas and shut it down. So it doesn't produce insulin at all. Type two diabetes is your your body does produce insulin, but your but it doesn't use it efficiently. It, it produces it, but it doesn't you know won't carry it to the cells and stuff where it needs to go. So they're essentially two different diseases, but the end result of both of them is high blood glucose, which can cause problems. Um, so I was nine years old. Um, I wanted to be like other kids. I didn't want to have to stop and check my blood sugar. I didn't want to have to be the one. I didn't understand that. You know, at first it was like, oh, cool. I give myself shots, you know, but then after that, I was like, wait, this is a lifelong thing. This is never going to go away. Every day, like, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and at that time, you know, really didn't have the education and stuff on nutrition that we do Mm. today. Basically, my doctor's thing was, oh, don't eat candy and cookies and you'll be fine. Which isn't true, you know? And yeah, if you eat like Wonder Bread and bologna and. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and there are so many other things that affect diabetes that aren't really taken into account. Or, I mean, you have control over, there's like 40 different things that affect blood sugar and you have control over like four of them. And when I lived in Denver, Colorado, I found out the altitude affected my blood sugar. Um, Wow. You know? Yeah. And so there's all these different things. I mean, like stress made it levels, worse of course, or made it, it made it better. It made it, it made it go higher. So, um, right. I would go up there with the lower oxygen. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I'd go up there and it would run higher. I'd have to adjust my, my, you know, my basal rate and stuff. And then I come back here and it was just, you know, run, run lower and stuff. So, and then even going into like with fitness and stuff, you know, you, you go in for a workout. Well, 
I have to know before I go in there, what am I going to do? Because what I'm going to do is going to mm. affect how much medication I give myself. Am I going to go in there and, and lift and, and like be having muscle breakdown and stuff? Because that's going to make my blood sugar go up. But if I'm going in there and doing like a lot of cardio exercise, that's going to make my blood sugar go down. So it's really having to balance it all out and know exactly how your body responds to food and how it responds to exercise. And um, like with jujitsu, I know when I go in there, I have to start with it at about 180 or 200 which is high but by the time i'm walking out of there i'm down to like 80 or 90 because it burns so much glucose sure. i mean like I, I have to I, I don't even have diabetes and like when i first went back i felt like i was going to pass out because yeah it was just oh yeah that's that's what happens i mean i you know had a protein shake ready and it, it you know had a little bit of recovery but <laughs> i don't I, I don't have to worry about like going into like a diabetic coma if i don't eat enough before a jujitsu class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times that I've, I've had drops and I have this, uh, there's an injection I give myself called glucagon. It basically is a hormone that makes your liver dump all, all of its glucose out into your system. There's been times I've been rolling and I start dropping really fast and like, oh crap, you know, I drop my gi pants and I'm like jabbing this needle in my thigh and everybody around me like, what in the world's going on over there? So, um, she, man, know, is she taking steroids? Is Miranda, is that like her <laughs> I'm gonna get pumped. Do you ever up, actually? Do you but... ever have people ask you if you're if you're juicing? No, I never have. I don't think I look like I'm okay. juicing. So okay. you know, <laughs> but um, no, it's good. So yeah, I lost it. Um, I ended up. Uh, I became a hairdresser, and um, on May sixth of two thousand five, I went to um, work. I drove myself to work that day. I worked the entire day at the salon. I remember my vision was getting pretty blurry at that point. I had this girl who came in, she was like 17 years old and it was her first eyebrow wax. And so I get oh, her no. back in my shampoo bowl. Yeah. And I see four eyebrows. I'm like, I don't know which eyebrows to wax. And so I closed one eye hoping that the two that disappeared would be the ones, the ones that I that was did, did, did she come back to you and go, what did you do to my face? Like, <laughs> no, she couldn't because I went home that day and, uh, went home that day, went out to dinner with my family. I remember, um, I couldn't, we went to a Chinese restaurant. I couldn't read my fortune. It was too blurry and came home, watched Phantom of the Opera and then, uh, went to bed and, um, got up the next morning to get ready for work. And I went and looked in the mirror and it was just like one big blur. I couldn't make out any like details of my credit. Yeah. Any, any details of my reflection or anything. So wow. ended up going to the doctor in emergency room. They ran all sorts of tests. I remember they did a CT scan, a head CT to see, they thought maybe I had multiple sclerosis, but sure. anyway, ended up being, um, you know, uh, diabetic retinopathy and, um, the eye doctors and stuff were all so nice. I mean, my experience with that is, is for as traumatizing it was, as it was, it went the best that it could. The as far as like, goes care that I got. You know, I mean, like does, I, I went yeah. through a bunch of eye surgeries through my teens and, and stuff. Um, and I had some of the kindest doctors, like the, the, my, my primary ophthalmologist, he sounded just like my grandpa and it was, yeah. it, it, you know, cause it's scary. You, you go in and for surgery, it is scary. And, you know, yeah. whatever you, regardless of how quickly you lose your eyesight, that transition, you're trying to figure out what's going on. It's having somebody who can kind of get that this isn't just a medical thing. This is also a whole person thing. That's, that's giant. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The first eye surgery that I had, um, 
it was on my right eye that was the one that had the better of, of vision and um so that one ended up failing and they said that i went into shock and i lost everything and then they sent me to a specialist up in san francisco and his name is dr mcdonald and he was just such a nice guy he was i don't know maybe in his 50s but he always wore a bow tie you know like the, the old school <laughs> bow ties and um I remember I went in, they ran a whole slew of tests, just different ultrasounds and, and anything that they could. And he came in and he gave me the prognosis and he was crying whenever he gave it to me. Oh, and wow. he told, yeah, he told my parents after I walked out of the room, he said, you know, she's, she's the same age as my daughter. It's like dealing with my own daughter. And so oh, wow. I went in for, um, three surgeries with him. And every time they would wheel me in for surgery, he'd come over to me and he'd put his hand on my shoulder and he'd say, Hey Miranda, it's Dr. McDonald. I'm going to take really good care of you. And so, I mean, he just was such a neat guy, you know? That's really and, cool. Yeah. And so, um, but I remember Who knew going Orville to Redenbacher would be such a great eye doctor. Cause he said, you know, the <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, um, I remember though, going through that time where, um, you know, I didn't know how to live life as a blind person. I, I, overnight, I lost my ability to drive. I lost my mm -hmm. job. I lost a fair bit of my friends. I didn't enjoy just watching they couldn't TV. Deal? They just couldn't deal with you being well, blind? I mean, they were, they were people that I worked with mostly and they had mm. families and kids and all that right, kind of stuff. Sure. So they just kind of went on with their life. I wasn't interacting with them every day. You know, it wasn't that they were afraid of it or anything. I think a lot of people right. kind of felt awkward. Like just, just dude, it's, awkward. it's awkward when somebody, something yeah. changes like that for sure. Yeah. Other of my friends would took it fine. My, my friend Mark used to tell me, Hey, get up and walk around. I want to watch you bounce off the walls. <laughs> 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 So I appreciated that though, you know, so, but the hardest part of it wasn't, um, it wasn't not being able to see it was, it was losing my identity. Like, who am I now? What do I enjoy anymore? How do I live life? How do I love life? How, you know, you just, you lose all of that. And so, um, and I remember, uh, People, I'd get mad at people, you know, I'd, I'd ask my, my aunt, she's a physician, I'd ask her, you know, do you think I'll see you again? And she said, well, I don't know, but if you don't, you'll learn to accept it. And it made me so mad when she said that because mm. I, I did, it was like accepting it would make it permanent, accepting it. Yeah. And, and so there's yeah. that real reluctance, you know, and um, I, uh, I, I just remember being, feeling so angry about that, but that transition into finally, finally realizing like, okay, my life's going to be okay. And a lot of that had to do with my faith. Um, I was raised Christian and stuff, but it was more of a charismatic type background. And I had pastors that okay. were counseling me. So I mean, that, you know, that can be tough too, because it can. I, I, a lot of my, you know, I, I'm still kind of reevaluating, but I, I, you know, I'm very, have a lot of positive context and experiences through my Christian faith too. But in that charismatic, expression of Christianity, there's that segment of, oh, I don't have enough faith. That's why I'm blind. You know, the, I don't know if mm -hmm. that creep in that sort of like, you know, like if you just trust God for your miracle, you get your eyesight back. Was that a, because that, that really was a big struggle for the first couple of years that I was blind. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And um, it puts the ball in your court where it's like the, your faith it's your, like your healing is dependent upon your faith. Whereas mm -hmm. Christianity is not about our faith. Not at all. Our, our faithfulness to God, but his faithfulness to us, you know? And so 
I started counseling with another pastor who I'm really close to even now. Um, his name's Pastor Paul. He's out of, out of Torrance. And um, he told me, Miranda, faith isn't believing that God's going to heal you. It's knowing that he's in control and he's going to provide for you no matter what. And so it was kind of like after that, I was like, okay, well then let's do this. You know, like if I'm going to be blind, then I'm going to, I'm going to make right, the best of it. You're going to do it with it, God's so. help and you're going to get, you're going to rock it as best you can. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, slowly I started to kind of just try to rebuild who I was and got back into fitness and the gym and all that kind of stuff and learned some independence and, and um, just started to really come into myself. And now I feel like I, I love who I am. I feel like some of my best lessons and, and stuff have come from being blind. And um, I like the things that it's taught me just about myself and about other people. And I mean, I can sit and have a, a conversation with somebody at a black tie event or sit and have a chat with a guy on, on bench, you know, a homeless guy on a bench at, at a bus station. And um, you don't go in there with like presuppositions, just seeing them like, oh, this guy's going to be whatever, you know? So um, I like it. I mean, there's people that I've worked with, even in jujitsu and stuff. I had a, a friend that told me, oh, wait until you meet so-and-so, like all the girls like him. He's so good looking and blah. And I was like, okay. So I meet the guy. I mean, he has a personality of a tree. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this guy is lame. <laughs> just, right. Yeah, it just, yeah. Yeah. So um Anyway, it's been an interesting experience. It's been a learning experience. There's been good times. There's been bad times, but, um, you know, you keep moving forward. And, and, um, I mean, I've done far more now since I've been blind than I ever did whenever I could see. I'm traveling all around the country by myself. I do a lot of volunteer work with injured and disabled veterans and, and stuff work a lot with the blind veterans association and stuff. And I, I love it. I, I really do. Well, when you were talking about getting back into the gym, like after you would, you lost your eyesight and, and and that's really like obviously like maybe coming from somebody else who lost their eyesight you know it's different but like i i think that it's it's good that you were able to find that place to accept well this is my situation i need to deal with it the sooner i think people can deal with the reality of even if there is the possibility of treatment down the road right accepting this yes. is the situation for right now for however long yeah. it lasts, and I need to deal with it right now. Until people can get to that point, there is going to be that sort of uh, like limbo spot, maybe. And I think once you get past, it doesn't mean that, like even still, even in my sort of Christian-leaning agnostic sort of headspace that I'm in at the moment, I'm not going to put past like a miracle, really. If God wants to, you know, reach down and go, there you go. Like, I'm not going to say no, but like, I can't live my life waiting for that to happen. And yeah, there's, I I was, I just read, I was going to say, I read his quote this one time that really, you know, resounded with me. It said that life is the stuff that happens while you sit around waiting for moments that never come. Mm. Why do you want to spend your life like that? You know, like, why are you going to sit there and, and twiddle your thumbs and think, oh, something better is coming along. No, something better comes whenever you get up and you make it happen, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you were but, talking uh, about getting back into the gym, right? Like, so you, you started exercising, you know, yeah. s- like fairly soon after. And then, I mean, you've gone on to become a, a fitness trainer. I mean, that's, if I understand right, that's the majority of the work that you do is connected to your expertise as a personal trainer. How did that play out? And, and how did you know, oh, that's what I want to do? Um, I think just naturally in, having to learn so much about myself and, you know, nutrition and, and stuff like that. There was that, 
interest because I wanted it to work for me. And then in speaking with other people and stuff, realizing, hey, I have something to offer here and I can help. And um, I went and I got my personal training certification and I ended up getting in and I got my, my nutrition specialist certification at the same time. Um, but I think that was really the, the beginning of it was just in, in understand, needing to understand what worked for me. And, mm-hmm. and I'm one of those people that I want to know how, and I want to know why if something works, you know, I like to get into like the nitty gritty geeky kind of stuff of it. And so just researching that. And I think that we do best or I do best whenever I'm working with something that I'm passionate about, I'm more willing to learn about something if I'm passionate about it and, and you understand it better. So, um, that was the beginning of, in beginning of all that. And so now, um, I'm going to be going back to school this summer and possibly going into nutrition in more of like a um, official way as like a registered dietitian. Um, we shall see what I end up very, doing with very, that. Uh, much needed. I think, you know, it's a tricky thing, right? Like people are really inartful in the way they talk about health and fitness, I think, in a way that, that really shames people they're struggling. And mm-hmm. it's really easy to say things. And um, there was something I said in a previous podcast episode where we do these little promo clips and out of context, it really sounded like I was like hating on, on people who are fat and, mm-hmm. and it, you know, context, you kind of got the specifics of what's going on, but we're like, you know, Justin, our, our producer who you met before we started recording, you know, he was like, Hey, sure. You want to, this kind of comes across this way. Do you sure you want to put this out in this little segment here? And he was like, no, you got a good point. Cause like, I, I do think that the value of um, health and fitness, I do think they're two different things actually. Um, I, I, I think oh, absolutely, they're undervalued, yeah. they're undervalued mm-hmm. and um, but because people are, are, because they're so misunderstood, it's hard to have a really important conversation. And you know, this last year in particular, right? Like obviously being super fit and super healthy is not going to guarantee that you are going to weather the storm from, from COVID better. Uh, probably, mm-hmm. but it's no guarantee, right? Like you might get a more virulent strain, who knows? <clears throat> Excuse me. Speaking of coughing, I promise I'm not, I don't have to. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do think, though, that like, and, and not just for the visually impaired community, but I, I think for, for people like the injury prevention, right? As people get older, having joints that are not constantly inflamed, having more range of motion, even if you don't care about how big you are, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the element of just being able to move and do things. And then, you know, um, I was listening to Action John. Johnson action Bronson's interview on Rogan recently. And, you know, he's lost tons of weight. He was almost 400 pounds at one point. And he was talking about being winded after walking around a quarter mile track twice. Wow. And thinking about, you know, and then later, you know, he basically had lost like over 150 pounds and then thinking about just imagine putting on a 150 pound weight vest and expecting yourself to walk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's your, like, how do you approach that conversation with your clients? Maybe you have a specific set of things, but just when you talk to people about fitness in a way that, that doesn't shame people, but also encourages people to take some responsibility for the, 
what they have available to them in their, their fitness and their health. Yeah. So, I mean, especially with like clubhouse and stuff, I'll, I'll go into, you know, going into rooms and stuff. A lot of it is people bringing it up to me, asking me questions like, what about this? And what about this? And usually the first question that I get is what is the best diet? And I've learned that what is the best diet means what can I put the least amount of effort into mm-hmm. and lose weight really fast, you know? And well, so what's going to be um, sustainable is really my, my, even though I'm not like a, okay, I'm a sensei, but I'm not a fitness like as far as conditioning, that's not my expertise. Nutrition is not my expertise, but I I still feel like. Well, I say, I tell them whatever (laughs) works, whatever works for you and whatever you're going to stick to. Cause I can sit here and write out a, a perfect plan or what I would think would be the perfect plan. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what you need according to your, you know, your body type and and all this. But if you let it sit there on the counter and you don't do it, it's not going to do a darn bit of good, you know? So, um, I just try to simplify things as much as possible with people, um, and understand that they want to know what they need to do for themselves. They're not looking for the nitty gritty, oh, you know, macronutrients and, and all that kind of stuff, micronutrients and, and all this. I mean, some of them do, but, um, just put it in as simple of a, of a way as possible. Um, and, and do it in a way so that you're not having to carry around a food scale with you. You know, you're not having to do all this crazy stuff so that you don't feel like you can go out and and participate in dinner out with your family or dinner out with your friends or stuff. Just, um, teaching people moderation and stuff. And, um, you know, as long as they're making an effort to try and better themselves, then there's no shame in that. You know, as long as they're taking steps towards actively becoming healthier and stuff and taking their health into their own hands, then um, I think that's a good thing, you know? So um, I don't ever shame people. I don't try to, I I mean, I, I feel empathy for them. I was actually overweight whenever I graduated high school. And I just remember the shame and embarrassment that came with Mm -hmm. it too, you know? And so it was whenever I got into beauty school that I decided, okay, I'm going to start taking care of myself and and lost the weight. And I've been able to keep it off off since. So, um, and really just trying to show people that it's not, I I think a lot of people come into it with a very temporary mindset. Um, they think, okay, I'm I'm going to hustle. And then when I'm done, then I don't have to work out anymore. Well, like, how do you think you're correct? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and trying and let them know like, okay, this is a lifestyle. This is a transition that you're making and understanding like, well, what motivates you? What motivates you? Like you can't count on motivation. You have to be disciplined because there's going to be more days that you get up and you don't feel like doing a darn thing than you do feel like getting up and, and going out and, and exercise or whatever. And, um, trying to convince people to show them that, that they need to start slow. I mean, you can't expect to just, especially if like you've been, uh, it happens a lot with like people who've been athletes and stuff that have been out of it for 20 years. You well, can't just I go haven't even in- been out of it for 20 years, but even like after my hernia surgery, it's been a slower, I'm, I'm yeah. close to, to normal now, but even still, because my back is muscles are kind of re adjusting to having an intact abdominal wall. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a different, type of rehab than I expected. Yeah. People want to jump into the deep end of the pool and when they can't swim, they, they get discouraged and they give up. And so trying to kind of like teach them how to regress and be like, okay, now let's start from the basics and, and really start from the, there's no shame in that. You know, there's no shame in having to go back to the basics and learn to build yourself back up and become stronger and stuff. So, um, you know, I, uh, I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy helping people. I really enjoy when, um, people that I have written programs for whatever, come back to me. And there's one gentleman that I had helped 
and he was um, about 500 pounds or 400 pounds. I think he was about 500 pounds. Okay, that's that's and, not a small size. I mean, no, no shame. Not at all. No, that's, that's, that's not typical. Yeah. And so what we did with him, he needed to lose a hundred pounds before his doctor, he had a bit really bad back and mm-hmm. he needed to lose a hundred pounds before his doctor would even consider back surgery. And so I, I told him, I said, like, we just need to start with nutrition. You know, you can't get up and walk around and stuff. And so let's start with nutrition. And I took the foods that he enjoyed eating, you know, I wasn't saying, okay, now you need to live on salad or you need to live on bamboo shoots and soy waste. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> let's take, let's take the foods that you like and just eat a reasonable amount. And so we, he did that. And I was so proud of him. He stuck to it. And like five months later, he came on and he's like, you're a miracle worker. I've already lost 50 pounds. And it just like, that's so wow. cool. It was super that's cool. A, that's yeah. not a bad pace either. I mean, like, I don't, it's not like a really massive, if you break it out week by week, you know, five, uh, 50 pounds in five months. That's, yeah. that is, I don't even know what that work, work works out to, but that's not that, that's not that ridiculous. No, no. And so, um, I mean, I was proud of him though. I was proud of him for actually doing it. I was proud of him for sticking mm-hmm. to it. I was proud of him for, for giving it a chance to see if the process worked, you know? Um, so that's one thing that is hard to convince people of is, is testing the process process and see if the process actually works. You give them a diet or a plan and they'll stick to it for three days. And they're like, Oh yeah, this isn't working. I'm, I'm done. You know, it's just like, well, you know, you're not going to get that much out of it after three days or, or a short period of time. So, um, you know, but everybody's different. Everybody has different goals. Um, everybody wants an overnight fix and those don't exist. So I'd say that the toughest <laughs> part is convincing people that they're going to have to, you know, make it a lifestyle change and, and stuff. What, what is the distinction you would, because we kind of alluded to this, my, my take is there's a little difference. What's your distinction and, and how much of one do you make between health and fitness? Because I think a lot of people, like they mix the two and they act as if they're exactly the same. Because you can have some people that are able to do some amazing things with their body, but when it, you know, they're overtraining or they, they're just compensating with like extra pre-workout stuff or whatever, um, what's, how would you distinguish between the two, if, if you would even for that matter? I think health is an overall um, thing. It's, it's mind and, and it's like the, the spiritual, the mental and the physical aspect of it. Health is being healthy, like, you know, feeding your body properly, making sure you're getting that your, your nutrients are balanced, make sure that, you know, you've, you've got homeostasis and, and, um, all that. And plus having a healthy body image and, you know, that, that mental piece of it and making sure that, you know, whatever spiritual, background you come from or whatever that you're feeding all of those things um and i mean are the two mutually exclusive i I, I think they they play they come in hand in hand but um and then fitness is more the like the is more exclusively the um the physical part of it what can you do with your body kind of a thing yeah yeah. How can you build your body? How can you train your body? You know, your cardio level, your, all that kind of stuff. But I, I see that health is more of like the all encompassing, the, the mental and spiritual and physical parts of it. So to, to that end, like, uh, um, when you started 
you know, obviously working out more, even more so after you lost your eyesight and you're kind of making the transition, you're doing the whole uh, process to get your personal training certification and everything. Um, was that what led you into uh, jujitsu and self-defense and, and learning how to just be aware of things? Because I, I absolutely see like <clears throat> people talking about self-defense all the time. One of the greatest uh, ways you can defend yourself or prolong the quality and length of your life you know, isn't just not getting attacked or handling yourself if you're attacked, but obviously is also taking care of your, make sure you have a healthier heart, make sure you're not like, if you do have diabetes that you're keeping your blood sugar under control. Um, mm-hmm. Did that, that seems like a very natural progression. Is that the progression or was there an, a parallel kind of thought process behind, because I know you've also learned how to shoot. You're aware of not just jujitsu, but you've, you've had, um, training with, with veterans and things like that, to like high adrenaline situations. Like did that, was there a, a, an overlap in terms of the thought process behind fitness and, and, and that, or was there, was it a separate thing? It was, it, it was just a progression. So I had been going to the gym. I was kind of doing more of the bodybuilding type thing. And I was like, oh, this is great and all, but I'd like to actually, you know, have some use for it. And so um, I started kind of thinking about CrossFit more, like maybe mm-hmm. I should do CrossFit to try whatever. And I remember um, I was walking home from the gym and I, I lived just down the street and there was a guy that pulled over in his car and he got out of the car and started yelling at me, telling me to get in the car. And I was like, what? And I don't know who this guy is. And so there was one of the personal trainers that I knew that was leaving the gym and he saw me and he said, Hey, Marana. And he came running down there and the guy jumped in his car and took off. I'm like, maybe some self-defense wouldn't be so bad, <laughs> you know, not such a bad right. idea. Yeah. And so, um, that was where that all started. I, I, there was a gentleman that I knew from the gym who had kind of talked to me about jujitsu and I was like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. sounds like it might be kind of fun. But. It is funny. Like jujitsu people, we, we almost treat it like a religion. I feel like sometimes. Yeah. Like, sometimes, hey, have you yeah. tried jujitsu? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the, like the snake oil for, for everything. Like, well, I, I think more of it as like that. the, like the, like, so when I was, um, much more heavily kind of evangelical Christian in my orientation. You know, we would go out and, you know, every Friday night we'd go out and we'd talk to people and ask them if we could share about the Lord. And it's just like, I feel like that there's a certain type of street pe- street preacher kind of vibe with, with some jujitsu people where we want to make sure uh-huh. everybody tries it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think because people just enjoy it so much. And I think it does genuinely give people just a lot of joy. Um, I know Mm -hmm. a lot of veterans that do it that say it helps to alleviate some of the symptoms of PTSD and things like that. And so, I mean, we all want more trading partners. I mean, what's better than a friend you can choke, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it changed my life. I mean, honestly, like I, I had done, um, you know, martial arts, let me think like, not quite. Let's see, I started consistently in like 05 and it was 2013 that I took my first jujitsu class, maybe mm-hmm. 2012, I think possibly, but consistently 2013. And as much as I had loved and still love everything that that first master taught me, there was not the same emotional release that I get from rolling. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no martial arts background has ever there's it's very similar emotional release that I get from surfing actually Mm -hmm. curiously enough there's a lot of surfers in jujitsu oh it's it's, it's kind of ridiculous yeah (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. So, um, it was just, I, I remember going in for the first time and it was, a uh, you know, the, the professor that I was working with, he, he had never worked with a blind person before, but he knew people who had had, who had, and I, I had called him ahead of time and said, Hey, I'm blind. This is what I'm thinking about doing. And he's like, yeah, come on down. I'll work with you. So, um, he told me when I walked in, he says, I have never worked with a blind person, but I know he people who have, and he had made phone calls to try to find out, Hey, how do I help this girl? You know? And, um, it was just a good experience. And, and the teammates that I made became my, my you know, they, they were my friends and, um, it's just like, there's that camaraderie there. There's nothing more fun than going out with a group f- from your team. You know what I mean? Like a bunch of your teammates mm-hmm. going out and, going and watching the fights and stuff has been always yeah. kind of a fun one. You know, you go to the, <laughs> It is really funny too. Like you can always kind of like, there was this one place in Encinitas uh, that we would, a lot of us would go to, to, to watch the fights and stuff. And you'd see like uh, people from different jujitsu gyms around the County would all kind of show up there and they'd be in their little, little pockets of people watching. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's just so cool because, um, you can't walk up to Brad Pitt on the street and say, Hey, would you give me acting lessons? Or you couldn't walk up to somebody and say, Hey, would you teach me how to sling, sing, you know, some, some, but with jujitsu, you can go and show up at the Academy where your favorite, you know, person, mm-hmm. UFC person, whatever trains and somebody's they're going to teach you how to fight. They're, they're going to work with you. You know, you yeah. have access to those people that you just really admire in that community. And all you got to do is show up. Yeah, the people that I've gotten to train with is just uh, is just kind of blows my mind. Like I I, I can't remember if, if you were in the room uh, talking about it, but like uh, right now uh, Jeff Glover from from Paragon he doesn't have a a gym that's open right now, and he's just kind of he's coming through and hanging out at Surfight a lot. And so like you know Jeff Glover who's like a legend in the jujitsu world, like I just show up like oh what's up I'm having a class with like twelve of us, and Jeff Glover's teaching us jujitsu and like well, that's cool and then that's like, awesome and then like jeff higgs you know i used to i used to train regularly with jeff higgs and like leticia Roberto and like like justin flores was my judo teacher and like all this this it was just this wild kind of you know i mean like and, and it's not obviously we're talking just jujitsu but like even i think in really directly applied martial arts like i took uh, a muay thai class pretty regularly with with Tiffany uh, Van Seust, who was on the podcast uh, last season. And it's just like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, but the cool thing is, is people in, in those worlds, like there isn't like a, Hey, look at me, how cool I am. It's no, I mean, you get that occasionally, but those, those people are few and far between. I think, especially in the jiu-jitsu world, there's like a, you either do it or you don't. And you can't fake yeah. it. There's no like, like I'm going to throw energy balls and you're going to fall over. It doesn't know how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was in on clubhouse one time and in one of the rooms and Carlos Machado was in there. He's in there quite a bit. Oh, and, wow. I, um, I haven't, I, I met him one time at a, a convention, but I've never had the, never had a, a longer conversation with him. So he's in there a lot. And um, I remember, you know, there were several people in there and I said something to him, asked him a question about being blind in training and stuff. And he was very, he's always just very gracious with his answers. And he's so just kind and humble. I mean, he's just an amazing man. And so a couple of weeks later, 
I went back in there and he was in there again. There was only like eight people in the room this time. And, but I go in the room's quiet and, and um, he says, hello, Marana. I was like, well, hello, Master Carlos, you know, and, <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, I remember you. I remember your story. I remember your name. And, and he started, started talking to me. I'm like, Carlos Machado remembers my name. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, wild when people like that go, you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it just, it just makes you feel like, wow, you know, so um, everybody that I've met, I just, it's just, I mean, you have your gyms too that are going to have their rivalries and, you know, oh, they're not so good and whatever. There's going to be those beasts. But as in general, like the, the pretty much the entire community, you can walk into in, any jujitsu academy across this nation or wherever and be like, hey, yo, our training's big. Hey, come on in. You know what I mean? Come on, roll with us mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I love it. So, all right. So jujitsu, obviously you got the fitness thing and, you know, you, we kind of got a little bit of glimpse of your, your, your story as far as the transition post blindness, but you also have gotten into, how did you get into some of this tactical training? And like, I know you like going out and I think you said you, uh, done some shooting with Tim Kennedy and that's kind of, no, I have not, I have not. Oh, okay. I I had actually. Well, okay. I had written to them with the sheepdog response thing. Okay. And um, I'd asked them if they would take on a Thanks blind student. I was like, there. hey, yeah. Um, I, I had asked them and they were willing to take me on as a blind student, but or as a as a student, even though I was blind, you know, they were going to teach mm-hmm. me. But um, unfortunately, I did never get to um, go to that training. Well, but COVID I do, probably didn't help with that. <laughs> no, I do go out to Tulsa and train with Blake Hayes, who okay. is, okay. yeah, he is, he, he was one of the ones that started Sheepdog Response with, with Tim Kennedy. Um, but I work with him uh, just on, on jujitsu and stuff. He goes out there and he, he likes to beat me up and I, I like it a lot. So it's fun. <laughs> no, he does real life stuff with me. He's, t- um, Blake comes for more of a, um, like, do what you got to do to survive kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so he's doing, you know, the rape choke and he's, he's showing me areas where I'm vulnerable, where he, when he's like, not hard, but tapping me in the face, like, Hey, protect your head, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's very important because I think that's left out a lot in just strict, ju- straight jujitsu where you don't have any of those things. Like if you were in a real street situation, nobody else is going to play according to the rules, you know? And as blind people, you, you, you really don't think about those things if you're not seeing them happening, mm-hmm. you know? So um, you have to be reminded of them. You do. Yeah, you do. So um, I go out and I, I, I train with him, but the tactical part of it. So um, I grew up and I had three brothers. Um, I, I didn't have any sisters and my brothers were my friends, you know? And so I did the things that they enjoyed because I wanted to hang out with them. And so that was going out and riding dirt bikes and it was going out and blowing things up. So I'm very much a girl. I'm very much a girly girl. Like I like to be the girly girl, but I'm also very rough and tumble. I I don't see why you have to choose. Like this is sort of this weird dynamic. And I, 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 I can't relate. I'm very much a man kind of mostly into stereotypical man things. Most of the time. Um, I've never had to make that little distinction, but I, I feel like we do a disservice where we expect either women to either be super mannish and almost manlike and, and really aggressive. And then they, or they have to be girly and they can't be both. And I, yeah. um, Beverly Protka, who was a previous guest, she wrote a, uh, a piece in black belt, real short piece, but just talking about the, the parallel of the lioness. Right. And, and the lioness is clearly, you know, obviously very female and, and it's, uh, you know, in the wild and stuff. And, 
and and how she will fiercely attack anybody who comes at her young. And there, and she finds a lot of inspiration. And there's a big parallel in terms of, you know, women who learn how to fight, you know, still, they don't have to stop being feminine. They can be just Mm-mm. as badasses. And I, I think it's a really unfortunate choice that we kind of push upon women. And, and I, I don't know if that's my perception or do you think that's accurate? Is that something that women, especially in combat disciplines and, and combat sports, that that's, that's sort of an or of bodybuilding, even for that matter. Is that a, a thing? The sort of false choice, do you think? Um, I think so. Or, or it was, I think now we're coming to a point where more of them are merging because there are more and more females that are coming into combat sports and stuff, but they are also mothers. They also have, you know, mm-hmm. they're, and, and so I think it's, there's a little bit more, um, they're embracing like that, that femininity as well as being their own protectors and learning how to defend themselves and that type of thing. So I think that's a great thing. Um, I mean, I love going out with my girls and my team and you put on the strappy heels and you got Matt burned. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know, so <laughs> it's a, it's a great thing. So, um, with my um, brothers, I, I, I tell everybody, my, my brothers made sure I was tough and capable and my mama made sure I was pretty, you know? So, um, my brothers made sure I knew how to change my oil. They, you know, they, they saw to that I knew how to change a tire. They thought that I knew how to do those things. So I would cool. become a victim. Yeah. What's that? No, no I'm yeah. just, agree- I'm just thinking of how cool that is that you had the, the training. And I think that's really what it comes down to for a lot of people. They think things are unattainable. And if you have the right training, the right people to invest in your life, the right friend, teammates and allies and stuff that yeah the the limits yeah. that you think are there aren't, aren't maybe as real as perhaps you thought they were yeah yeah and so um i mean they they liked fast cars and they liked guns and they liked you know all those sorts of things so that's what i grew up around so i i definitely love those things as well but um getting into more of the the tactical stuff i think for me like i love doing jujitsu and i love that but i'm constantly I, I feel content, but never complacent. Like I always mm. want to be learning more. I, I think there's so much that I need to learn as far as like being able to protect myself and expanding, you know, my, my knowledge and, and just kind of being able to see what works for me and what doesn't, you know, do I need a force multiplier? How would I use that? What would that look like? What would that be? And getting in there and ex- experimenting and, and just kind of seeing what you're able to do. So, and then being in this community, man, there's so many, you know, military, law enforcement, whatever that are in it, that they're willing to work with you. They're willing to teach you and, and why not, you know? So um, I think shooting's fun. I, I like to do that. I, I don't know how to use a knife yet, but you know, that's something that I'm look, looking to be able to learn and stuff like yeah. that. So um, for me, it's just that desire to, to know and learn. And I actually, I just enjoy it as well. That, that's really cool. Um, any, uh, future adventures i know you and i've talked a little bit about getting you on a surfboard any other things that you haven't done yet that you you think uh are on your your soon to be conquered list um i have a few ideas that i'm that i'm kicking around i definitely would like to one thing i would like to do is take some uh like more stand-up um there's Mm -hmm. a a muay thai coach here that i've considered you know going and working with him just due to do or even working with with blake whenever i got to tulsa clinch fighting or like clinch fighting is really helpful. Like, like yes, people exactly. think yeah. maybe you're not going to be doing like some long range kick from far out, but you, know, you get somebody in a clinch and you had to do a, a trip and throw some strikes in as, on their way down. That, that changes exactly. the, the situation a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that, and then, like I said, getting into maybe learning a little bit about some blades and stuff like that. And um, so I, I never know. I mean, I'm always coming up with new ideas like, oh yeah, I'd like to try that. So um, I think that's one thing that blindness has taught me is just to try it, see if it works, it works, it doesn't, it doesn't. So, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason to let it keep you from trying something though. So um, yeah, I, uh, I like the, I guess in a way blindness kind of gave me a confidence that I didn't have before. So that's been interesting. Gave you a framework maybe on in which to cast your uh, efforts. You're like, okay, well I got like, I, I feel like sometimes if people have a problem they have to solve, it makes them better at solving other problems. If they can find a, a big a kind of baseline, like, okay, this is the thing that I'm kind of sorting through and the collateral things that kind of come along, you end up solving a bunch of other problems as you solve the big one. At least in yeah. my experience, it seems to be true. Yeah. Well, and just understanding, like I'm doing the best that I can do for myself. You know, I'm willing to get out there and try mm -hmm. and um, being comfortable in my own skin. Like I'm, I'm taking care of myself the best that I can and, yeah. and doing the best, but also like, if you are going to judge me, if you're going to look at me funny, what I don't care. I don't have to look at you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Do it. I don't care. Run it. You know? So, um, I, uh, I think a lot of it is just in a, in a weird way. It just made me make, made me comfortable in my own skin. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. I know we've been at this a while, but I, I, I do want to take a minute to, if, if you don't mind, uh, briefly talking about how you got involved in working with veterans, because that is something that I would like to do more of. Um, and so just kind of hearing you, like, I think people kind of veterans are, are sort of simultaneously kind of given the lip service of getting given help and respect. But then when it gets right down to it, I feel like they're still kind of forgotten. Yeah. So um, I started with my view on that was, it's just my way of giving back. I mean, if mm -hmm. I didn't live in America where people were fighting for my freedom, um, if I lived in Vietnam, somebody with a disability over there is told what they can do by the government. They're, they're right. like, okay, here, well, you can hand out pamphlets. Right. Here we actually um, have choices. Exactly. We have choices. We have the freedom. We can fight to defend ourselves. You know, there's a lot of countries where we wouldn't even be able to do that. You know, they, they virtually handicap you in, um, in Africa, parts of Africa, you know, women with the disability are seen as being undesirable and they think they're virgins. Mm -hmm. And so frequently they're raped because they mm -hmm. think that um, having sex with a virgin is a cure for AIDS and the government looks the other way. They, they just, they, they turned mm -hmm. a blind eye to it and they don't care. And so at least we know here that we can learn to defend ourselves. We can, I and mean, we can go out, we can, we can shoot guns, we can fight, we can do whatever. And we also know that if we can't do it, somebody's going to be there to do it for us. They're going to be there to help. And not everybody has a guarantee. So it's just that deep gratitude that it's like, man, I want to give back wherever I can. And in, in some ways being able to identify, I mean, you get these guys that come back that lost their sight or they lost a limb or whatever. And um, there is an overnight change that takes place. And I went through that same change, even though I was not there fighting a battle, I still went through that loss and learning how to rebuild my identity. I just feel like being able to try and encourage that within that community rather than turning to substance abuse or something is just, I think it's a good way to give back. I, I think it's doing something positive in a way that I can help. So um, 
I started with uh, an organization here locally called the Combat Veterans Hope. I just gave them a call and, and said, hey, I'd like to start doing some volunteer work for you guys. Here's what I have to offer. And um, I did some smaller events where we went and, you know, they had like a luau for, uh, for a Navy SEAL that had passed away and they were raising money for these other organizations. And, and so I just sat there and, and participated with everybody else doing whatever they needed me to do. But then, you know, they started having, hey, would you mind coming out and talking to us about some nutrition? We're going to do this like health and fitness, uh, you know, expo or whatever it is doing that they're doing. And yeah, sure. You know, I'll just come and share my knowledge. And then um, I got involved with the Blind Veterans Association. Um, I had a friend that was going to be working one of the booths at the, at, at the conference and um, so she asked me if I would like to come and join her. She knew that I was wanting to, you know, volunteer with the veterans and stuff like that. So I went along with her and um, just kind of shared with people that were there, you know, hey, this is what I do. I gave out some business cards and was also helping her and um, got to talk to some of the people there like, hey, will you come back next year? So in 2019, that was in 2018, 2019, I got to, do, to go out to Tulsa. And I actually presented on some uh, nutrition stuff um, and uh, get to talk with a lot of guys who are type 2 diabetic. Um, a lot of the guys that were in Vietnam and stuff, they were exposed to Agent Orange and that mm -hmm. has caused it's type really 2 diabetes in a lot of them. Yeah, I know a lot yeah. of guys that have come over from Vietnam. Um, yeah. A friend yeah. of mine whose dad just passed uh, from cancer as a result of the complications of being exposed to Agent Orange over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was it really, you know, just, just getting my feet in there and, um, starting to build from there. So, I mean, like with you, if you, um, you know, you could do like, uh, do like an open mat, even yeah. so hold an open mat and, and whatever, and, um, donate the money to some sort of veterans organization, advertise that you're going to say, Hey, this is what this is. Find a, a, an organization that you want to donate mm -hmm. to that you want to contribute to. Hey, this is what we're raising money for. Come on out. And I mean, probably to get, especially in San Diego, we're going to get a lot of veterans that come in there and, and train yeah. and stuff and just do whatever you can do to get your name out there and start opening up the doors for you. That's a really good idea. And I think, um, it, it, but it's, what's neat though, is that you just made yourself available. And I think that's yes. really the thing, the key thing that people can take away is, you know, if you have something to offer and make yourself available, the people who need it will, you know, there's, there's the way to connect and make that stuff happen. I think the trick is people go, Oh, I don't even know if I'm going to, you know, if they're going to accept my help. And I think if you have a good attitude and you're willing to kind of learn, you're not going to equate your experience with somebody who's faced combat, like, like, but you're, you're just trying to help. Um, right. And, and not, it's not about you. It's just about actually get really genuinely giving back without the expectation of, of something back. You're going to exactly. have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the whole veteran suicide is a, a thing that's on my heart as well, you know, that, mm -hmm. and, and so I feel like, like I said, health and fitness, it, it really helped me to kind of rebuild who I was and find some sort of a piece. And, and, you know, you get on the treadmill and go for a run or, or you even doing jujitsu and stuff. It just is, it gives you that ability to kind of think through things and process and, mm -hmm. and, um, cope and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, uh, I just think that giving back in whatever we're able to is, um, it's what I want to do. That's beautiful. And, and I, I've, that whole attitude of, 
doing difficult and scary things, you know, like not, not like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, and this is not to shame anybody who does macrame, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like just sit home and knit blankets, which people absolutely can do. You know, there's, there's, there's benefit there, but going out of your way to, you know, I mean, you don't have to learn jujitsu. You don't have to lift, lift heavy weights. You chose to. And then you're taking all the stuff you learned through that journey and, and through learning about nutrition and you're, you're helping other people. And I think that's beautiful. That's, that is absolutely the adventure mind ethic and hundred percent why we, you know, I'm glad we're able to have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think just to, um, showing people that they don't have to go through it alone. Like, Hey, I'm in this too. I've been through it too. Let's walk through it together. It's not me trying to show you, Oh, Hey, I'm better than you. It was just like, Hey, let's do this together, man. Let's, you know, we all need each other. We all need each other's help. We all depend upon each other. Let's share, you know? So, um, it's a, it's a great way, I think, to create some bonds with some really amazing people. Very cool. Well, hey, uh, Marana. Hey, I said it right this time. I think you did say it right. Hey, I'm so hey proud. how about that? I'm so yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, thank you so much for for coming on, and uh, I'm glad we we're able to connect on, on Clubhouse, and and hopefully, like I said, we'll we'll see if we can get you on a surfboard or, or get an opportunity as things start becoming safer and and less complicated to do so. We'll get some training in. For sure, we should we should do a room sometime on on Clubhouse too. We should go in there and just yeah, talk that's about a, that's a good idea. Martial arts and different stuff. It'd be a lot of fun. You and I, yeah, sounds like you a and plan. I could do it. It'd be fun. We'll, we'll, hey, yeah. maybe uh, maybe we'll do that. So um, actually, Miranda is on uh, Clubhouse as am I. Um, if they how what's the best way for people to find? Uh, like you got a website. I know you got like an Instagram. What what do you got going on? I've got Instagram. My my username on Instagram and uh, Twitter are is Marana Loop. It's M A R A N A L O O P. Um, can connect with me on there. Um, I'm on uh, I'm on uh, Clubhouse, as you said. They just go and search on there and search for my name. It's Mar- I'm actually Marana Vberg. Um, the letter V and then B U R G. It's just abbreviated for our last name. And uh, yeah, come check it out, chit chat, and stuff. It'd be a great time. Cool deal. All right. Hey, everyone listening, as always, is it? Wow. You know, I keep bumbling my, my intros and my outros. And <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's up with this? As always, everyone, adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you.